0: Welcome back to another episode of New Mexico in Focus, the podcast edition. Today is Monday, May 24th, and I am your host, Kevin McDonald, executive producer here at New Mexico PBS. We always enjoy catching up with you, bringing you content from the show as well as extras, and we want to know what you want to hear about. You can reach out to us here on the podcast or through our social media platforms. We are there on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Reach out, let us know what you want us talking about on the show. In our last episode, we brought you our line conversations about changes to the recommendations about wearing masks as we come out of the COVID-19 pandemic. We also talked a lot about the elections, the special election for CD1. That was Deb Holland's seat that became vacant when she became the Secretary of Interior. And we want to make sure we encourage you all to get out and vote if you haven't already. Early voting is available now, Election Day June 1st, but on this episode, I want to bring you a couple other interviews we did for the show last week, and we're going to kick things off with U.S. Senator Ben Ray Lujan. No stranger to New Mexico in focus, but this is the first time we had a chance to catch up to him since he jumped over from the House of Representatives to the U.S. Senate, and he's got a lot of things that he is diving to get into now that he has moved from one chamber to the other, Uh, On the top of the list of priorities that you're going to hear him talk about, Uh, broadband, rural broadband, and bringing Internet access to all of New Mexico. Also, the immigration crisis on the southern border. Uh, We're also going to talk about a passion of his, which has to do with drunk driving. Just a whole lot here. And we're always thrilled to welcome back our correspondent. That's Russell Contreras, formerly of the Associated Press, now with Axios. He caught up to Senator Ben Ray Lujan from Washington, DC to run down those list of priorities and talk about some of the issues in the headlines.
1: Ben Ray Lujan is coming up on his five month anniversary as New Mexico's junior Senator. He walked into a razor thin majority for Democrats in the US Senate with the vice president able to cast a tie breaking vote the Senator brings some of his House of Representatives priorities with him, as well as taking on broader issues such as immigration. Here's NMAF correspondent, Russell Contreras, who spoke with the Senator this week. Senator bin Ray Lukan, thank you for joining us on New Mexico in Focus, we really appreciate it.
2: It was an honor, Russ, good to be with you today.
1: So you've been in office uh, just a few, mom- uh, few months now, What's the difference between the Senate and the House after a decade in the House and some years in House leadership? Are, are you familiarizing yourself with the new body? How is it going?
2: Well, Russ, there are a lot of similarities. You, know, you, you have to get to know your colleagues, um, make sure you meet them one on one and uh, get a chance to work with them and their teams. And that's something I've appreciated, uh, even with colleagues where we may have had some disagreements in committee and had different approaches to getting to the same goal Um, Afterwards, I've had the honor of sitting down and talking to my colleagues and make sure that we're on a a good path and that we're able to continue to working together. Um, There are different rules uh, of engagement, if you will. There's different procedures uh, and rules that govern both bodies. And so that's uh, been something that I've been spending time learning and understanding, uh, but have very much appreciated the support I've received from my colleagues and the votes that we've been able to earn to pass important piece of legislation including uh, directing $17 billion to the Department of Energy National Labs for the Science and Tech Directorate recently. Um, So uh, again, very much appreciate getting a chance to meet people, work with people, and make a difference for the people of New Mexico.
1: Senator, when you and I last spoke, you made it very clear you wanted to reach across the aisle with Republicans to work on various proposals. You and uh, GOP Senator Rick Scott of Florida are working on a law called the Rider Act that that attempts to attack uh, drunken driving. Tell us about that law.
2: The Reduce Impaired Driving for Everyone Act, uh, the Ride Act that I have the honor of working with Senator Scott with um, is a piece of legislation that was also championed by our very own Senator in New Mexico, Tom Udall. Um, Russ, it's a story that I don't share often. And now that we're working on this legislation, I've been talking about it more about 29 years ago um, less than half a mile from my home in Nambe. Uh, I was driving home um, one night and uh, a drunk driver hit me head on. And I'm fortunate that I'm here to tell that story and to talk about it today. Um, you know, for a long time, all I would see was the headlights coming right at me. Uh, anytime i closed close my eyes, whether it was day or night, and uh, too many families have been lost. Uh, so many families that have been victims of drunk drivers on the wrong side of the road, which is what happened to me on that state road uh, in Nambe, but uh, even on interstates. And we recently lost some loved ones in New Mexico and it happens across America every day. This piece of legislation, which um, requires auto manufacturers to include readily available technology to prevent and stop um, uh, drunk driving uh, accidents across America, Um, It's something that we're growing uh, more and more momentum with. Uh, There's strong bipartisan support. Even my colleagues from Michigan now have become co-sponsors and have been advocating for the legislation. Um, I just jumped off of a hearing uh, in the Commerce Committee as well, where part of my line of questioning was about getting support for the RIDE Act. Again, this is readily available technology. It will save people's lives. It's common sense. And here's what sums it up, Russ. If auto manufacturers across America are asking for Um, waivers to liability for self-driving, fully automated self-driving cars, why can't they include this technology? There should not be a reluctance. And I'm gonna keep pushing until we get this done.
1: You ran on the environment during your campaign. And as of right now, the Tula Rusa downwinders from the Trinity test, the world's first uh, atomic bomb uh, test, haven't been included in the Radiation Compensation Act. That law is set to sunset next year. What are the chances of extending that law and including folks from Tolarosa and Mescalero Apache.
2: I'm working diligently to get the Radiation Exposure Compensation Act extended, which expires at the end of 2022. And Russ, you point out something that no one has been able to give me a good answer with why the people of Tolarosa, where the first bomb was tested with the Trinity test site on American soil, when other counties across America have been included as downwind of where nuclear testing took place, how can it be that two communities, especially in New Mexico, in Tolerosa and out in Church Rock um, in McKinley County, that where the berm broke back in 1979 and those uranium tailings went flooding into arroyos, uh, contaminating streams and arroyos and waterways, uh, sheep and cattle and people, how could they be left out? Open uranium uh, pit mining in and around Laguna, Acoma, Pueblos as well. How were they not included? Um, so I've been raising this issue with my colleagues. Um, at the very least, uh, this program needs to be extended, number one. There should be an apology um, issued by the United States. And I was able to get that included in the House National Defense Authorization Act, but it didn't make it through the Senate Conference Committee. Now I'm in the Senate, and I'm gonna work diligently to get that done and include as many provisions as we can with RECA. I'll never forget the voice of an elder Navajo woman who testified here in Washington, DC on the Radiation Exposure Compensation Act for us. And she asked members of Congress, are you all waiting for us to die so the problem goes away? Think about how profound that is and we've lost loved ones through the last many months and years. It's not right. This is a liability for the United States of America and the United States needs to do right by every uranium miner that was not included in the original RICA and for all the communities that were excluded from downwind status that should have been included from the very beginning.
1: New Mexico is a state that continues to struggle with poverty. You and I have talked about that in the past. Your staff and your colleagues say, If you talk to Senator Lujan, he will talk your ear off about broadband. You believe that broadband could be the center of connecting New Mexico and improving this economy. Why is broadband connection so important to you?
2: There are many programs and projects and legislative initiatives that have to be adopted to address poverty throughout New Mexico and across America. One of those that was included recently was the expansion of the child tax credit which families are slated to start to see in their bank accounts now in July. That is important. And we're working to make that permanent. That's number one. But broadband, I really think this is a game changer, Russ, for so many parts of the United States and especially New Mexico that are not connected with fast, affordable internet. Uh, So many of us know the difference between slow internet, fast internet, or no internet. And and it's simply unacceptable. When you can get on an airplane and stay connected at 30,000 feet and fly across America, connected to the internet at faster speeds than you can in communities that you're flying above, or even at the International Space Station. Uh, We in the United States can solve this problem. And that's why I've been working diligently to include robust funding for broadband um, in the infrastructure package that is coming up. President Biden has included it in his proposal with the American Jobs Plan, um, as well that he presented to the United States Senate and to the US House of Representatives. I'm working on several legislative initiatives And I'm also proud to chair the subcommittee that has jurisdiction over broadband uh, deployment, the FCC as well, Russ. So right now we're able to lift up people's voices across New Mexico uh, to make sure we're not left out. And here's what it comes down to. There's a sophomore that attends Cuba High School. Her name's Helene. Uh, She lives out in Counselor, New Mexico. She's Navajo. Um, She does not have electricity at her home. Uh, She does not have a broadband connection. She depends on a wireless phone but that wireless phone has fixed caps on data and so the family is very weary about using that phone too much so she has enough bandwidth to do her homework it takes her almost two hours to get to school every day if we can do right by Helene get wi-fi on her school bus make sure she has a connection at home that she doesn't have data caps subjected to her mobile device and we can get her electricity running water and wastewater then we're doing right And so I'm looking at this through the lens of what I've learned from Helene, this very brave 16-year-old girl, a sophomore, right from New Mexico, that has participated in hearings and testimony already. And that is a voice that we need to continue to lift up and learn from.
1: Now, the Democrats have a tiny majority in the Senate, and many of the progressive wish list items coming from the House won't make it through this divided body. Uh, As we talk right now, Senator Tim Scott, we mentioned earlier, is working on a comprehensive police reform bill. It's in negotiations negotiations right now. For this to pass muster for you, what would you like to see in that package?
2: Look, I I think that there is progress being made from uh, Senator Booker working with Senator Tim Scott, as well as Karen Bass, who's the former chair of the Congressional Black Caucus, and still a member of the House of Representatives as well. Um, I just talked to both Senator Booker and to uh, Karen uh, about progress they're making and I need to check in with Senator Scott, but I was optimistic with what they shared with me. Um, Look, we wanna make sure that we're bringing attention to the injustices in our communities and that we're able to uh, implement a policy that we can get support and get signed into law. And I think that's what Corey and Tim are trying to get done in the Senate with the support of Karen. I proudly supported uh, legislation in the past, Russ, um, out of the House with the George Floyd Policing Act. It's a piece of legislation that also already passed the House of Representatives. And that framework is, is something that's important for us to be considering and looking at as, as we're able to make these changes, some of which are already adopted in New Mexico. Um, so again, looking to see what Corey and Tim and and Karen will come up with, um, but we trust them to come up with a strong package. And I just appreciate them willing to work together across the aisle for the good of America.
1: Same could also be said about immigration reform. It's something we've been trying to pass for two decades now. Are you optimistic that we could get something through the Senate by 2022?
2: Russ, I'm optimistic, but but it comes with this. Um, it's clear to me that many of my Republican colleagues have chosen to make this political with immigration reform. And it's not in in the interest of folks that want to use this as a wedge issue to try to solve the problem. Where I am encouraged are several of my Republican colleagues have been willing to sit down on a bipartisan basis to be able to find ideas and solutions. And I'm hoping that more members in the House and in the Senate, Democratic and Republican, take a look at members that are trying to solve this problem. The Dream and Promise Act already passed the House of Representatives again this year with the bipartisan support, Democratic and Republican members supporting it. The Farm Worker Modernization Act passed with 30 Republicans in the House supporting it. Um, There's no question that they have the votes to pass here in the Senate. And I've been continuing to raise this issue not just with the White House, uh, personally meeting with fellow Congressional Hispanic Caucus colleagues um, in the Oval Office with the President and the Vice President, as well as my Senate colleagues. Uh, we meet on a weekly basis, if not a couple times a week, and there's a bipartisan group where we've been getting together um, to try to grow more support. So I am optimistic that we can get something done. We must get something done. Um, it's not just uh, good for uh, America, this is good for our economy as well. Um, and it will keep people safer, make people safer. Um, it'll treat people with dignity and respect. And again, it's going to be a critical component of growing our, our economy and our GDP.
1: And finally, the, the few seconds we have with you left here, Ms. Senator, the Senate sometimes can be a place where you go and where dreams die. You see the polarization, but you see a lot of collegiality. As you've spent time in the Senate just these past few weeks, are you more optimistic about America or have you turned more pessimistic?
2: I'm, I'm always optimistic, Russ. Um, look, I, I think that people want to solve problems and get things done in my experience in the Senate, uh, the example that I shared with you, as we're working together on a bipartisan bill to increase America's competitiveness. We su- just saw an announcement by Intel with a $3.5 billion investment in the New Mexico facility out in Rio Rancho. Um, we need to be aggressive when it comes to chip manufacturing and advances with space and other science and tech directorate and research. Um, I was able to uh, pass an amendment that uh, invested and authorized $17 billion to the Department of Energy. Our national labs in New Mexico will benefit, Los Alamos and Cendilla, uh, with the research that they are doing. And I did this with strong bipartisan support. Uh, I actually had one more, I believe, Republican voting committee than I did a, a Democratic vote. And we're now bringing this to the floor. We'll be passing this legislation um, next week um, out of the United States Senate That's just one example where we can come together to respond to competitiveness challenges, especially with the Chinese government with what they have been doing and to make sure the United States is going to continue to be a leader in the world uh, when it comes to these these spaces. Um, That's just one example. Even when there was disagreement and my Republican colleagues, uh, not a one, supported the American Rescue Plan, um, what we saw was we were still able to come together to be able to respond to America's needs and to pass a package that provided more financial support into the pockets of hardworking middle-class Americans um, and to make sure that we had vaccine to get into people's arms. Um, that's another example of how we can work together and we can still uh, work on policy. Some of which were Republican ideas that were included in that package. Unfortunately, they didn't vote for the final package, but they helped to shape it. That, that's a positive uh, response and, and it shows me that we can respond, we can work together and we can continue to work to bring the country together.
1: And finally, I know you've only been there a few months, but are you running for re-election?
2: <laughs> Russ, I'm just getting started here with uh, working with my colleagues and reaching out to fellow New Mexicans. And, you know, just give me a chance here. We're still five years away. And, you know, if the people of New Mexico encourage me uh, to continue to work on their behalf, it's definitely a responsibility I'll continue to embrace. Um, there's a whole lot more that I have to learn from fellow New Mexicans, solve these challenges and problems. Um, and, but right now we're working diligently to get infrastructure investments back home uh, to close this broadband gap uh, and to create more job opportunities. So the more announcements that we have, the more build out that we have, uh, the better New Mexico will be. And it's really a responsibility from all of us. You know, what, what I always remind folks back home and i learned from my colleagues, uh, namely Senator Cory Booker, um, he reminds us that. Uh, Change does not come from Washington, D.C. Change comes to Washington, D.C. from across America. And it's our responsibility to carry those voices. Um, So continue to to be proud to represent the people of New Mexico and now be one of uh, only four Democratic Hispanic senators um, in the Senate, building off that work and that legacy uh, brought to us by one of our very own, Dennis Chavez, who did incredible work and always fought for the underdog, but drove investments into New Mexico. Um, And so I'm learning about him every day as well and making sure that I'm able to live up to uh, the expectations that he set forth for not just our state, uh, but for us to deliver for the people back home.
1: Senator Bin Ray Lukan, when you're ready to make that announcement, we'll be ready here at New Mexico in Focus. Thank you for joining us. We really
2: appreciate it. Thank you so much. I was an honor, sir.
0: All right. Next up, we want to hearken back to a story we did on our environmental series, Our Land, a couple years back. There were uh, regulation changes that had to do with intermittent or ephemeral waterways in New Mexico that was handed down by the Environmental Protection Agency or EPA. This was in the Trump administration, of course, in 2020 again, really loosened a lot of regulations about pollution and just protecting these important waterways in New Mexico. We know that all water is important in New Mexico. You may be surprised to find out how prevalent these intermittent or ephemeral waterways are here. They're a huge percentage of our overall surface water in New Mexico, so it's important that we make sure those stay clean and safe for uh, all purposes here in New Mexico. Well, In March, uh, two uh, pueblos here in New Mexico, the Pueblo of Jemez and Laguna Pueblo, both filed a lawsuit against the EPA and the Army Corps of Engineers uh, to roll back those uh, loosening of regulations to tighten that back up to really make sure these waterways are protected. And we wanted to find out more about what that lawsuit is seeking and why these waters are so important, especially to these vulnerable communities, these tribal communities here in New Mexico. So right now, here is correspondent Laura Paskus, our environmental correspondent, you know her from our land, with an update on the Clean Water Act and this lawsuit filed by the Pueblo of Jemez and Laguna Pueblo.
3: So there's been back and forth for years now about whether or not to protect small waterways under the Clean Water Act. And last summer, the Trump era rule took effect that um, essentially the US Environmental Protection Agency and the US Army Corps of Engineers will no longer protect certain types of waterways under the Clean Water Act Now the Pueblos of Laguna and Jemez have filed a lawsuit against the two agencies regarding this rule. Let's start with you, Chris Toya. You're from Jemez Pueblo. Can you talk a little bit about why these ephemeral and intermittent waterways are so important to New Mexicans?
4: Because we live in the high desert southwest. Um, Eighty-seven percent of our um, streams are ephemeral, meaning that during the monsoon season or rainy events or snow melt, these uh, arroyos, uh, drainages get filled with water, and they are tributaries to the main Hamish River. And we use the the water uh, for irrigation of our crops. And then it's a a means of food supply as well. Uh, We go fishing and the fish that we catch in the Hamish River is what we eat. Uh, one other important factor is that the water in the Hamish River is used in ceremonies, and uh, <clears throat> this is a threat to our way of life.
3: Mm-hmm. Cliffia, you worked on this lawsuit through the UNM Law Clinic. Can you talk a little bit about what types of pollution, what types of threats these sorts of waterways are under, and if successful, what this lawsuit would would do.
5: Yeah, thanks, Laura. Um, so through the UNM School of Law Clinic, uh, we have worked with a number of tribes and tribal members for a, a, a long time, and we listen to their concerns. and we think about how we might be able to use the law to address those concerns. One of the biggest concerns we've heard recently was concerns about continuing to protect uh, tribal waters under the Clean Water Act. The Clean Water Act is incredibly broad. It basically applies to all pollutants, um, you know, toxic pollutants, hazardous waste, even in some cases, things like dirt um, or cow manure. And so the threats to uh, New Mexico's waters can come from many different directions, but one of them might be something industrial activity like mining, um, including uranium mining uh, in uh, the Navajo Nation and the Grants Mining District. Um, there's pumice mining in, in the Jemez uh, watershed. Um, there's sewage. Raw sewage has been a big problem uh, across the country for a long time. Um, so, in, and even things like sediment that might clog up a channel and prevent waters from reaching communities could be an issue and is something that is regulated under the Clean Water Act when the Clean Water Act applies, that the problem here is that the Trump rule severely diminished the scope of protection under the Clean Water Act.
3: So the federal administrations have gone back and forth on these protections, and even states have gone back and forth under the Martinez administration, the state of New Mexico opposed to these protections. Um, Cliff, let's start with you. Can you talk a little bit about why protections under the Clean Water Act would be controversial?
5: Well, I think part of the controversy is um, a resistance to federal regulation at all. Um, The Clean Water Act was designed to be, to establish national standards that states would implement. And so there's always been sort of a state component there. I don't think that's been fully understood, but I also think that there's been a lot of misunderstanding about what the Clean Water Act does. One of my favorite examples of misunderstanding was, um, there was a rumor that Obama was attempting to uh, promulgate a rule that would regulate puddles under the Clean Water Act. And Mm -hmm. so the Obama administration actually went out of its way to write a rule that said, this rule does not apply to literally puddles. And the first thing that the the Trump administration claimed um, after uh, Trump came in, in in 2017 was that, Obama's rule has been a disaster, he used that word. And he said, in particular, it is is regulating puddles. Um, When Obama went out of its way to say, no, the rule doesn't regulate puddles. So there's just been a lot of misunderstanding, misstatements about the the Clean Water Act um, scope. Really what it's about is protecting your water and mine, waters in the Jemez River, waters in the Rio Grande. And we have so little water in New Mexico that we just don't have any to spare. Um, so maybe there are some genuine controversies around the edges of wetlands in, in the Eastern United States, but all the water in New Mexico is needed for purposes here in New Mexico and particularly for the tribal communities.
3: Right, Chris Toya, clean water just doesn't seem controversial to me. Can you talk a little bit about what you've seen over the years in terms of um, you know, wanting to protect these waters and in particular tribal waters?
4: Yes, throughout the years, I've noticed that, you know, we're getting more and more people, recreationalists in our Hamas Mountains. You know, the Forest Service declared an area up here in the Hamas Mountains, a national recreational area, and we're getting people by the thousands. Uh, I think annually, this is old data, but they were saying that we get over 1.6 million visitors in our Hamas Mountains and the largest bottleneck is the pueblo itself we're getting so much vehicle traffic on the highway and it's dangerous for the people but what people don't realize is that you know they're trekking on the uh on the roadways on areas that don't have any paths you know you got vehicle traffic you got foot traffic and you also got cattle and so what happens is that you know this area start getting eroded and we've noticed within this past few years, we're just getting so much sediment in our irrigation systems. Um, it's one issue uh, that we're facing. Um, and, you know, we we're farmers and we, we use this uh, water from the Hamish River to irrigate our fields, but we're getting sediment loads that is unbelievable. Um, the other issues is that Um, you know we need this clean water Uh, as I stated earlier it's uh, water is life and you know it's a water is very crucial in in tribal life especially in ceremonies we use the water from the Hamish River uh, water from the springs to conduct ceremonies uh, not only for ourselves but for the whole world in a sense because we we're uh, protecting and you know, praying for the balance of Mother Earth. And so when that happens, you know, not only do tribal members benefit, but the whole world benefits.
3: So lots of different groups have weighed in on this rule on all sides of the issue. Chris, can you talk a little bit about why this, is, um, this lawsuit is so important for the Pueblos in terms of things like jurisdiction and sovereignty?
4: Yes, you know, currently the uh, Jemez Pueblo Reservation is approximately uh, 90,000 acres. Uh, We only uh, uh, claim, uh, uh, as far as the boundaries go, uh, a fraction of what our ancestors had used at one time. So much of the ancestral homelands are under the management of the U.S. Forest Service. Uh, the Department of Interior, the National Park Service, uh, Bureau of Land Management, and private property. So the uh, watershed, the Jemez watershed is uh, above the valley of Jemez Pueblo. And so the main watershed is in the Valles uh, Caldera National Preserve and the San Pedro uh, Wilderness in the Nacio Manto Mountains. And so you you have this different uh land management uh happening from different federal agencies and as i stated earlier we got many many thousands of recreational re- recreationalists uh enjoying you know the mountains and you've got your ranchers with cattle um and uh you know we we need to, these waters protected uh <clears throat> not only for ourselves but for wildlife, uh, for all humanity, uh, if if we don't protect our waters, you know, we're putting ourselves in uh, in in a situation where, you know, if, if our waters are really polluted, then you know we'll be looking back and saying, why didn't we do that? Why didn't we put the effort in to protect our waters? Um, it's it's a very important issue that we're facing today. Uh, Tribal, tribal people across the United States and all peoples, you know, we're, we seem to uh, kind of have missed uh, the point in, in, in being human and being connected to Mother Earth. Uh, I, I think today uh, our priorities are business uh, and making money. But, um, you know, I, I, I hope that eventually we come to our senses and start protecting what is important. For, for all life.
3: right, Cliff, in our final minute here, what happens next with this lawsuit?
5: Well, there have been a number of similar lawsuits filed across the country, including lawsuit by the Navajo Nation, um, a, a lawsuit uh, involving tribes in Arizona and state of Washington. Um, what we have seen is that the new Biden Department of Justice has sought to seek a stay of that litigation. And maybe that's something that that we would consider as well. But we're also very concerned about protection of water in in New Mexico right now. Um, And we really need to think about how we we begin doing that. The Biden administration on day one of the inauguration signaled an interest in reconsidering and possibly repealing the Trump rule. And we would love to see that, but that process takes time. Um, It could take a matter of years. Um, to go through the formal rulemaking process. So one thing that our litigation is asking for is, uh, is just vacate the rule. Just take us back to where we were before. At that point, um, the Pueblo of Hemus, the Pueblo of Laguna can, can art, make the arguments exactly as Chris is saying about why it's so important to protect their waters right now. Um, we need a new rule and everybody agrees that we do need a new rule going forward. But while that rulemaking process is continuing, we would really like to stop the effectiveness of this rule that just eliminates protection for so much of New Mexico's waters.
3: Right, Cliff Chris Toya, thank you so much for joining us on New Mexico in Focus mm-hmm. today.
5: Thank you, Laura. Thank you for the
4: opportunity
0: All right. We're already hard at work for more things on this week's episode of New Mexico in Focus. We encourage you to stay tuned. Uh, If not this week, very soon. We're looking for an update. You may have seen this in the headlines. The La Luz Trail Run, one of the most popular events and biggest trail runs in New Mexico, is in jeopardy over forest permits. Uh, We're trying to get an update on that for you. Be looking for that on Facebook Live. Also, uh, we are um welcomed by correspondent antonia gonzalez this week as we look at behavioral health a- in tribal communities and native communities and what sort of resources people are trying to pull together as we know that's been a huge struggle for all of us during the pandemic in the last 14 months so a lot of great things coming up this week I encourage you to tune in check that out we'll have it for you here as well and another shout out before we go for our social media cha- channels, you can keep track and keep up to date with us throughout the week. We are there on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just search for NM in Focus or New Mexico in Focus, and you will find us. While you're there, drop us a line about anything you heard recently or want us to cover in upcoming episodes. But we appreciate you joining us always. Want to shout out the New Mexico in Focus team. Of course, host Gene Grant, our senior producer is Matt Grubbs. And our producer is Kathy Wimmer. We are so thankful you tune in each week. And we encourage you to stay safe and stay healthy this week.